Hello, everyone, and welcome to Calling All Useful Idiots, uh, the hottest after party that happens uh, before 12 p.m. We're excited to be here with you. Make sure that you do sign up uh, for our YouTube, our, well, youtube.com slash useful idiots. Subscribe there. Um, always catch us at 10 a.m. So right before this, we do a live stream where we react to uh, the Sunday morning news shows that we watch so that you don't have to. Also, please become subscribers at usefulidiots.substack.com or usefulidiots.locals.com where you get extended interviews, which are always great. You also get access to our Thursday throwdown segments, which are when we react to um, uh, clips from the week. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great time. So again, that's usefulidiots.substack.com, usefulidiots.locals.com. And we will take our first caller because we already have a caller, Amanda. Hi, Amanda. Good morning. Good morning. I thought I'd get the room started and, yeah, and say, as usual, thank you for the work that you do. And I appreciated, the, especially the stories you covered today. It was great. Thanks. And also, folks who are in the room, come on, call in, because otherwise you're going to have to listen to me and Katie and Aaron. There we go. Oh, gone and here and gone. So the reason I called in today is because May 3rd is... Um, World Press Freedom Day. It's a day of action to free journalists Julian Assange, Mumia Abu-Jamal, defend all journalists and freedom of the press. And um, He just got so, a bad ruling, by the way, from Philadelphia, from Pennsylvania, oh, Mumia Abu-Jamal. So. I know, yeah. I, I saw that. Um, Awful and, news. And, yeah, they were trying to get a new trial or something, right? Yeah, yeah, and he's basically not going to get it. So frustrating. So frustrating if you followed that story at all. So people who are interested in this can can um, go to UFCLP. That's the United Front Committee for a Labor Party. UFCLP.org um, to get more information. But they're trying to raise consciousness about freeing Julia Assange and Mumia and other journalists who are who need protection and need to be free to tell the stories that need to be told. Great. Can you put that in the in the chat also so people have that link? Happy to. Happy to. Great. Thanks for the suggestion. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so Thanks. much for giving me an op- t- the opportunity to announce that. Of course. Yeah. Thanks, Amanda. Okay. Uh, Dickie. Hi, Dickie. Hey, Dickie. I just call in, uh, just, I called in just to make sure the queue had people in it. Thank you. You are a yeah. true patriot. Are you there still, or you just were dropping by to say that? That was like a community service right there. You know, that's like uh, I know that's like the neighborhood, um, uh, you know, patrol. So thank you, Dickie, for that and uh, getting the, the call going. Okay, Brianna. Hi, guys. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, I was, I, I slept in and I didn't get to hear the whole show. I don't know if you guys touched on Lula's comments on Ukraine after his visit to China. Um, but I, I see that a lot of people are freaking out about it and I wanted to get your thoughts. Well, no, because that would have, uh, suggest that would have required, uh, mentioning Lula on the shows, which of course they didn't. Right. Oh, right, right. Total blackout. Right. Yeah, I just saw a lot of, I'm mostly on Twitter, people freaking out about it and saying that, you know, um, by Lula criticizing the U.S.'s role and calling for peace talks, um, that he is, you know, uh, that he's asking the Ukrainians to roll over and, right. yeah. It's just interesting how, however many, many months we are into this war that um, nobody, nobody can, can have this conversation about peace negotiations without being absolutely crucified. Um, Yeah, it's just, it's interesting. 
which is why they have to cover. They can't talk about the leaks because those undermine the idea that uh, Ukraine is winning. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah, what a situation. Right. You know, uh, and it also undermines the. Oh, sorry. Go on there. Well, I was going to say in the Washington Post the other day, there was this article basically put out as like a warning to Lula. It was like uh, it was like it felt like a mafia boss like telling Lula to back off. It was. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll, right. I'll find the headline. It was. It said, um, uh, "Where is it?" Uh, it, it was basically like. Um, it was basically like Lula is calling for negotiations with China. Okay, here it is. Brazilian President Lula da Silva risks alienating the U.S. and Europe as he hosts Iranian warships, equivocates over <laughs> Russia's invasion of Ukraine, and negotiates with China. So basically, that was like it was like they're issuing a warning to him, like back off, like don't don't you dare negotiate with China, and don't you dare equivocate over Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which basically means calling for negotiations. And so yeah. you know, it was basically like it, it's a warning to him. And by the way, I mean, uh, on on a story I've worked a lot on on the Syria OPCW cover up story, at the UN when I spoke a few weeks ago, Brazil came out in support of the whistleblowers, and in the room. The U.S. and U.K. diplomats were really pissed. They were not expecting that, and they were like, they were not happy about it. Ooh, yes, yes. Gosh, and speaking of China also, it's crazy to see, I mean, it's just kind of becoming clear that the U.S. is like manufacturing consent right now for, you know, hostilities with China um, over Taiwan. It's it's kind of nuts to just watch it happening in real time. Yeah, I mean, and, and as we pointed out on the show, you know, they, uh, they're questioning their suggestion that they're giving lethal aid to Russia happened right as uh, trying to start offering a peace plan. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's all very embarrassing. Transparent. Yes, yes. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm... I, uh, yeah, it's, I'm a little nervous for Lula though, given those threats like that. I mean, I'm always nervous for Latin American leaders standing up to U.S. empire in any way. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That has not gone well historically. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, thank you guys. Have a great morning. I appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks, Brianna. Okay. Annie. Hi, Annie. Annie, are you okay? Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? Sorry. Um, Hello. Okay, there you Hello. are. Hello. Sorry, I just had the eye surgery. I couldn't find the oh, no. button. Sorry about that. No problem. Hope it uh, went well. Uh, yes, it did. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm the one who sent the super chat about Andrew Bamford's work. Oh, thank you. It's actually James Bamford. Andrew Bamford. No, no, it's okay. Oh, well, thank, thank you, you for, for sending correcting. the... Yeah, yeah. but... I don't understand why that story is getting no traction at all. I mean, I can see why the Democrats don't want it. It it undermines the Russiagate thing. And I don't know about you all, but my friends, um, nobody, you know, when I say the thing about Russiagate was a hoax or the Steele dossier was retracted, really good Long-term liberals who read the New York Times every day tell me I'm crazy. Right. They don't know it. And I think it so undermines, I mean, and Russia, Russia gets the gift that keeps on giving, you know. Yep. Um, so why I'd really like to see this story get much more traction because if, if it, I mean, what it said, it, you know, and, and it sort of confirms to what, it felt like. I mean, didn't Bibby come in and speak to Congress right before the election, and and then Trump moves the the embassy to Jerusalem and does everything? I, to me, I don't understand why we're not all over that story. Well, again, because uh, supporting Israel, and so they don't between Trump and Israel, and they share the the goals of using Israel as a client state. And so thereby focusing on, you know, Trump moving the embassy to Jerusalem and receiving help from Israel, it undermines that. Whereas blaming Russia for election, that's party especially, and of, you know, 
you know, worsening the new Cold War, um, which um, both parties are also behind. And so um, that's why Russiagate was, you know, that's why, for example, Michael Flynn, you know, remember the whole thing about Michael Flynn? Like, right. he, 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 you know, th- there was no collusion between him and Russia, but there was collusion between him and Israel when, you know, back when uh, Obama was leaving office, he was going to let the U.N. Security Council pass a measure condemning Israeli settlements. And Obama wasn't going to vote yes, but he wasn't going to vote no. For like the first time, he was going to abstain. And so the uh, Israel asked the Trump team to block that vote. And so Michael Flynn was calling people, including the Israeli ambassador, um, and calling other, other ambassadors, trying to get them to vote no. The, the Russian ambassador. Yeah. The Russian ambassador as well. Yes, that's right. And so like, that wasn't about colluding with Russia. That was about colluding with Israel. But nobody cared. Uh, because they supported that goal, and that didn't jibe with the conspiracy theory about about Trump and Russia. So, um, I mean, you know, I wrote about yeah. that at the time, but it was it was ignored because it just wasn't it didn't fit and, in with the conspiracy. And theory. didn't Russia decline, which shows that they weren't that in bed with Russia? Yeah, Russia to- Russia totally declined. Uh, they they uh, I can't remember how they voted, but they certainly didn't didn't veto it. But again, th- that collusion was totally ignored because it wasn't convenient. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I may even be a little more paranoid, and I am becoming more paranoid. You know, I've been on this planet a long time, and I've never seen things the way they seem to be now. And, you know, I I listen to, um, like, Richard Wolff and Noam Chomsky when they talk about how they see things. And I share their fear. This is so much worse than it's ever been. Maybe we're seeing it because the empire is coming apart or maybe it is becoming different. Um, but I wonder how much it has to do with the fact that they're, the Democrats are a little bit afraid. Look, look what Bibi could do, um, you know, when they don't want to take him off. They don't want him to be working against them in the next election. Um, but I, I think this is a huge story, and it, it would be helpful if people knew more about it to undermine the whole Russia narrative. You know, I mean, I'm sure Russia had bots, you know, as everybody does, you know, there, that was going on. But the one who substantially influenced things was Bibi, and it wasn't the Israeli government. I mean, then the whole issue of this Mossad, you know, trying to get rid of Bibi now. But I, I just, it, it's infuriating to me that all of it was redacted, you know, that Bamford had to go and do the kind of reporting that he did. You know, surely the Dems must know the role that he played, correct? Yeah, they probably do. Um, and to be honest, I haven't actually read James Bamford's article yet, so um, I have. That's a reminder. I have to read it. Yeah, please, please, because yeah, I'd will. love to see what you, I'd love for you to write something about it. I, I don't want it. You know, it's one of the best things I've seen on Democracy Now in a long time. I mean, I almost stopped watching the show, but happened to turn it on one time. So please, I would really appreciate if you look into it. And this is his piece at the Nation. Yeah. Everyone, yeah. I think it's called the candidate and the I don't I can't remember and the conspiracy or something. It's called it is called uh oh there's an ad block thing. Jeez Louise. The yeah. Trump campaign's collusion with Israel. While US media fixated on Russian interference in the two thousand sixteen election, an Israeli secret agent's campaign to influence the outcome went unreported. And I mean it really goes into a lot of detail and he got the stuff from uh, FBI reports and whatnot to do with with Roger Stone and all of that. I mean, I I think it was sounding cataclysmic. He's also written a book which I haven't yet gotten, but I'd I'd really love to see us pick this up and amplify the story because it seems really important to me, and uh, enough so that I wanted you all to notice. So I gave the big super chat. Thank you. Um- Really Good luck. Thanks, Annie. Good Thank luck. You. Sorry. Bye-bye. Okay, Anthony. Hello. I, uh, good morning. I saw something funny, a clip floating on Twitter, actually, in the in that vein of Russiagate, and it was uh, Jamal Bowman. I guess he was on Jen Psaki's show. I don't know if it was a weekend thing or what, but he, he – 
she was asking him about TikTok, and he's like, "Oh no, I don't want to ban TikTok. I haven't seen any evidence of Chinese espionage." But then he says, Jamal Bowman, he said, but whereas Facebook totally ignored Russian interference in our election, Facebook. So I thought that was kind of funny. I don't know if you saw that clip. I missed that one. I missed that one. That was uh, that was from this week. I like it. Yeah, it looks like it to me. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, no, I didn't catch that one. Yeah. And then uh, the other thing was uh, when you guys, when Lindsey Graham was on, uh, I don't know, Face the Nation or whatever, it seemed like, you know, he he said, you know, you could lose your life as a consequence of these leaks. Right. And it seemed like you guys thought he meant like the information getting out about someone somewhere in the world and someone would attack them. But it sounded to me like Lindsey Graham was saying, no, treason is punishable by death. Yeah. That's what he was saying. Yeah, I did think that at first. And maybe that is what he was saying. Maybe he was trying to like imply both things at the same time. Especially because we played that Wayne LaPierre clip. Maybe that was like his first uh, version of it, his first draft. Who knows? But you forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Jamal Bowman obviously didn't see our uh, episode from last week, which is disappointing. Jamal, Congressman Bowman, if you're watching now, listening now to our call in, make sure you watch that episode. It'll be eye opening about what really happened. Uh, between Russia and Facebook, or the U.S. government and Facebook, we should say, and trying to get them to say that Russia interfered more than it did. <clears throat> but thank you very much, Anthony. Okay, Jonathan. Hello. Hi, how are you? So far, so good. Uh, firstly, I thoroughly uh, enjoyed Friday's episode. Uh that guy, I could listen to talk on that subject for hours. Like that was that was just a it was a slamming episode. Um, and uh, but uh, as far as uh, what I called in for, because uh, we've been we've been talking about snitch journalism, um, that uh, that rabbit hole that Aaron Good sent me down when he was on your show, uh, not this last time, but the time before. Um, actually uh, led me to realize that this is an extremely old tradition that's been around for a lot longer than we, we kind of realize, like not just within journalism, but uh, the whole open source and they're calling it now open source intelligence, like it's something cool. But uh, basically these uh, organizations, even back before, the FBI was a government agency back when they were like the Pinkerton and Burns detective agencies in the private sector, which kind of got insourced. Uh, they were like long since like using these kinds of um, you know, both the media and civic organizations to do this kind of crowdsourced uh, quote unquote intelligence. Uh, and most of the time there was a financial relationship involved but uh you know i also would point out that they were doing that snitch journalism on january 6th as well i remember ronan farrow even like posting pictures like of jay sixers being like do you work with this person do you know this person call us and tell us about it and a huge chunk of those people that got picked up were were snitched on uh by journalists the la times used to do this sort of thing in the 1920s mm. wow what's like what issue you know, with mostly they were looking for commies, uh, and that's that's basically how they how they got their start doing this sort of thing. But you know, in the early aughts, it was uh, you know quote unquote terrorists or you know radical Islamic uh, type people. Most of the time, these were uh, mostly ordinary people uh, that kind of got stitched up. That's also an old FBI tradition. But, uh, you know, laundering it through these private organizations to sort of do the things that technically these organizations couldn't legally do themselves without liability, um, you know, to embed private citizens in these in these uh, organizations to to snitch and uh, and to like just general crowdsourcing of this stuff is uh, is a very, very uh, old tradition that's been around for a long time and has been long since used for extremely sinister purposes um, to, to do nasty things to ordinary law-abiding people that uh, 
you know, were uh, doing their First Amendment protected, um, you know, free speech, free association, all that sort of thing. Um, you know, nobody like there's a huge chunk of the population that frankly never respected that as, you know, if it was anybody they disagreed with. And um, so that's worth keeping in mind when we're looking at this stuff. Uh, it's something we, we've got to always remain vigilant of. And unfortunately, because we haven't, uh, now the, the people that would do this kind of thing are uh, firmly in, in command of, of uh, all of these institutions. Right. Well, Jacob's going to come on my show, too. So just keep your oh, eye out for that. I'm forward to that. I will yeah. be watching. I promise. Great. Great. All right. Come. Thanks. Okay. Neoliberal tears. Shalom. <laughs> hey, besties. Hi. Uh, How are you? I'm good. Uh, I mean, we can practice Hebrew if you want, Katie. I mean, that's... Um, um, shalom. Um so I had like actually a thought about um, uh, when you guys had the show today, like, uh, like I was thinking about the Yemen war and like how um, like it ended up being China that yeah. is sort of like leading to a ceasefire. And um, I was thinking like, do you guys think like if America was the one negotiating this, like wouldn't whichever political party it happened to be, wouldn't they have sold it like for like for, for like years as like you know look how much of, of a win this is for us like we wrote this letter like and 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 instead i feel like i don't know i just feel like our politicians are the worst <laughs> like we settle for like people who barely like write a letter you know when push comes to shove but do you think it would have been a political one if we if we were well, the I, ones i think um yeah well yes i think whoever did it though like the other side would try to um, frame it as a, a loss. So like if the Democrats did it, Republicans would accuse Democrats of being treasonous and mm. embed Chinese Communist Party. And the other and if the Republicans did it, it would be the same, but coming from the Democrats. Gotcha. I mean, it's, you, there's always representa- representation for the war hawkery. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, my. OK. So that leads me to my question for you guys. So. Lindsey Graham, I'm I'm trying to figure this out. Like, usually when people sell out or they shill, like, it's for something, right? Like, you have, like, a, like you know, children, or, like, you're trying to build a political dynasty. What's in it for him? Like, what, like, what is he, what is all of that money for? Like, he doesn't even have kids, right? So it's, like, all of that shilling. And for what? Like, every time there's a war or some, like, dictator somewhere trying to, you well, know. He may- I mean, as he explained today, there was um, Saudi Arabia bought some planes that were built in um, his state. But I also think that he's just a true believer. Like, I think he, you know, he was military. I think he's just a neocon. I think all these people are really emotionally empty. And this is what they've landed on to fill the void. And it's like, you know, most people do want to do meaningful work and want to be a part of something. And if you buy into, you know, the near. Uh, we lost Aaron for a second. I think he was saying neocon agenda. Am I back? Do you have me? Yeah, you we hear, hear you. Yeah. Um, if you like people want to be a part of something. Right. And so if you go to Washington and you buy into the neocon establishment, you like you'll always have a place to go. You always have people to work with your. You'll, you'll be part of a team. You'll attain power, like in the case of Lindsey Graham. And even if not like to that level, you'll be part of think tanks because there's endless opportunities for people who want to promote hegemony because the people who profit off it will always fund you. So it's just like for people who are like emo- have no moral compass and just want to be a part of something, to me, it's just the neocon grift is like a great opportunity. And you really get to think you're a part of something special. Like you really believe that you are destined to control the world in a messy Guys, kind of way. And I, I think, think, oh my God. So Lindsey Graham just wants to be in an episode of Glee. You know, he wants to be a part of something special. He does, he does, you know, he does. And it gives him, purpose, uh, you know. Guys, that should be a musical. Oh my God, I'm starting to relate. Aaron, I'm sorry for interrupting you. That's just like, what a realization. We need to make Lindsey Graham feel like a part of an anti-war movement so he can like... <laughs> 
Um, it's true. If we had like a viable anti-war movement in this country, people would have opportunities to be a part of something else. But you know, they don't. I mean, if you, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Like, to, like the most we can get for an anti-war movement, right, uh, for an anti-war rally in like a major city like D.C. or New York, is like a couple of thousand people. It's just, it's, um, it's you know, we're because because the neocons are so. They've been so effective, and, and they're in, and, and they're, they have so much control, and, and people have their own lives to worry about. And they're on media all the time. They use it like reality TV playground. Or so, sorry, Katie. No, no, no. Keep going. I just said right. I made a video of, of Lindsey Graham kind of being like um, the stage mom because when you watch him like like questioning uh, Alito and questioning Kavanaugh, it's so funny. He's He's like, are you a bigot? Like he throws them such softball questions and then he gets so upset on their behalf that they've been like, per- makes him like they've been persecuted. Um, so yeah, if we want to cast him in musicals. He's in, I have- yeah, he's like, he reminds me of like, you know, the acting on like the bold and the beautiful. Like yeah. that's kind of, like that's why I don't think, I get, I, I'm sure there's damage there in terms of his personal self and like wanting to feel a part of something special, even if it is like Saudi Arabia hawkery or Israel hawkery. I remember, yeah, I remember he, he's been chilling for, you know, right-wing governments for a long time. Yeah. That's why I feel like it's like an act, but I just... I, I wish I could figure out, like, usually, like, people do it for, like, I don't know, their kids getting into Congress years down the road or hedge fund, like, I don't even know. But, like, yeah, so I guess I'm just wondering what, like, who, maybe we can flip him. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Alrighty, Sudo. Hi. Hi. Good morning to both of you. Um, I, uh, wanted to comment on the, the McCall segment, which I, I like you guys watched, um, from last week, but I, uh, from, from yesterday, um, I forget what show it was on, um, but, um, it struck me as, um, you know, um, conforming to the classic definition of insanity in terms of doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, and he lied. Um, what I'm talking about specifically is he was talking about arming Taiwan as a deterrent against Chinese, uh, supposed Chinese aggression. Um, this is when, you know, he's visiting Taiwan. And um, I mean, I'll acknowledge, I mean, like Taiwan did, I mean, China did do this uh, war game recently that was, um, you know, directed uh, against against Taiwan, um, but it was coinciding with a visit of a senior U.S. congressional delegation to what is under international law sovereign Chinese territory, and where we're arming this sort of renegade government that is undermining the sovereign interests in Taiwan of Beijing, and um, but he he said. I mean, he, he spoke as if we hadn't sent any heavy weaponry to to Ukraine, you know, before 2022 um, with the you know same express intent of deterring aggression. But in fact, it just provoked war and the, the ways in which we're, you know, arming what Beijing, I think, has to increasingly look at as like a renegade Taiwanese government that is, you know, trying to um, arm itself to, you know, um, in a way that's hostile to to the mainland um, with with U.S., you know, leadership, obviously. Um, and um, so, I mean, he, he lied that we didn't actually arm Ukraine significantly in advance of the Russian invasion, which is the thing that repelled the Russian invasion to the extent that it that it did. I mean, Russia still gained a lot of territory since since um, the invasion last year. Um, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it was just um, I'm sorry, I'm rambling on a bit, but I um, uh, I'm uh, I also had a thought about um, how disappointing the performance of Congress has been. 
back to this sort of emerging new Cold War paradigm and war with Russia and the prospect of war with China. Um, and I think Citizens United, we might want to implicate Citizens United in this in terms of the um, domination, almost the monopolizing role within Congress of um, corporatist representation, representation of the interests of corporate profits of the defense industry over any kind of sober analytical assessment of what's actually in the interest of our own national defense and well-being as a, you know, as a, a territory of people, however you want to define our, our um, society. Um, but um, there seems to be no representation of the people per se. Um, I think we should really try to push for a member of Congress to read leaked material into the congressional record because that would, I think, have the effect, my, my understanding is that would have the effect of declassifying the information and congressional speech is immune to any prosecution. You know, they're sovereignly invested with power through the people. Um, so uh, we should try to find a member of Congress who will do this for, uh, for the anti-war cause um, because then journalists could question um, people in government about the actual information and they couldn't they couldn't refuse to engage with it on the grounds that it's still classified which is currently the case so but I, I'm, I'm I despair of actually any member of Congress actually taking up the the bullhorns I think they'd probably be threatened with you know anything up to assassination um, mm. but we 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 it's imperative that we actually you know have representation in terms of what's good for us uh, as a society um and what's not going to destroy the planet because right now i mean it's this this totalitarian corporatism um that is locked in to this uh, apocalyptic course of conflict um and somehow the blindness that is automated right now in our politics needs to be disrupted by a more wakeful consciousness um, that actually is aware of what's good for human life. Um, and it's just, it's, it's badly lacking at the moment. And it's, um, yeah, I, I, I mean, that's why I've been devoting myself to it full time. Um, and I've been able to because I'm fort in, in fortunate circumstances to some extent um, in that respect. But um, it's, um, it's 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 very upsetting the the failure of our politics right now mm. yeah i would agree with that definitely um yeah sorry i don't really have a oh i i do have a question so i've um this is a uh, i i i started watching um, these shows again for a long time i was uh, delegating it to you guys you know your motto that you guys watch it so we don't have to um, but I, I wanted, since I've started doing the call-ins, I've wanted actually to, you know, um, know the, the source material for a discussion. And, um, uh, I was wondering though, I used, I used two sites, neither of which I really like, um, Real Clear Politics and Mediaite. And I was wondering if you guys use any other, um, compilers for clips, um, that you'd be willing to recommend? Well, Twitter, because each of the, um, each of the uh, shows tweets out certain clips. Yeah, okay. Um, I got banned from Twitter, so. Oh, um, so EDI would be good, and um, Real Clear Politics is good. The other sources I'd recommend are also on Twitter, so. Okay, yeah, no, I mean, Twitter is the best for information, so it's, uh, uh, actually, you know, the best for information are, are libraries and physical archives. Um, mm. Because there you can there you can actually put the pieces together and, and begin to make out the bigger picture. Um, but in terms of current current data, um, definitely Twitter is the way to stay on top of things, and it's a lot of fun. So I, I miss it in that respect. But um, yeah, I mean, can you make like can you can you just create like an anonymous account and use uh, that I, to I, gather I, news? Yeah, I I already have, but I can't really engage, you know, because right. they, yeah. they if I were to be myself, I'd be recognized and right. banned again. Um, so, but you need um, to engage. 
this just lets you observe, which is for this purpose, these purposes, okay. Unless it makes yeah, you no, sad because you want to engage. I do want to engage. I mean, it's a, it's a very, I mean, yeah, there's a temptation there. And so sure. I'm just, I'm sort of taking a, a Twitter detox for the time being. I think eventually I'll end up doing what you're recommending. But, um, yeah, so for now I'm using, like, um, yeah, Twitter, Twitter I find to be a much uh, happier experience because you can really curate your own information stream with a lot of flexibility um, personally, um, whereas uh, all the other stuff is like force-feeding mechanisms, you know, and um, it's uh, um, the ads on YouTube are the worst ads I've encountered in my life, and sometimes, you know, and they force you to constantly handle the device because if you don't, they'll put an hour-long ad on. It's just like a nightmare to have your, uh, you know, consciousness uh, exposed to some extent right. you know, influenced by. Um, so it's yeah. Sorry, I'm ranting, but um, no, I'm, no worries. Thank you for the call. Is, Thank you for the call, uh, Lee. Go ahead. Hi, I am so grateful for you all, and in the the fellow who was just talking about the reality is not being heard. And so what prompted me to say hi is, Aaron, you brought tears to my eyes. When you're talking about, um, you know, while you all keep a sense of humor and you're trying to make sure people do hear you and you're talking about what's underlying and I know you're writing that book and I'm assuming your people are getting you on Rogan and all the rest when the time comes, but the, the lack of moral compass, the, the underlying, you know, psychoanalytic perspective on what's going on and the, you know, the neocon grift, all that. I mean, I'm, I forgive me. I'm always just having to do multiple things at once. So I just cut little tidbits, but the, that's what can help us get an anti-war um, force going. And and I, it's crazy making for me when I hear people go on about you know getting zen about it and just going with the flow. You know, I, I see so much as you do unnecessary suffering in the world. And we need to do more than get metaphysical about it. You know, I, and I think you're right. By mobilizing people, we can, um, we're going to have to be really creative. I mean, if you get on a, and we have to be accessible. People don't want to hear, like what the gentleman was just talking about. People aren't going to listen, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate because people don't want to be confused with the facts, the toxic tribalism and all of that and the money following the money, obviously. So if, if you want to be, want a day brightener and insight, little just kernels of wisdom and a, a smile and a laugh and, and hardcore truth that might be, you know, a reminder of what I'm trying to say and don't have the, the, bandwidth to explain very well right now. Dr. Les Carter has a podcast and other things. He's a, he's a psychologist in Texas. You know, he's probably in his sixties and he's brilliant. He's just out there. And I think he has quite a following, but he does short clips and they're almost all about narcissism I mean, it's about how to deal with all kinds of narcissism and what happens because of our interactions with people on that spectrum and all the different ways that people get gaslighted and all the rest of those things that that you all understand. And you both grew up in families who, you know, help you be particularly aware. But I think you I just wanted to suggest that Dr. Les Carter, I think you'd be you'll be very impressed, anybody would be, who's interested in um, how to be effective in our communications. Cool. So thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. And really, I, I just, I'm, I was so excited. I can't tell you when I heard you talk about what's underneath of this. You all know how to connect with a broad audience and use humor. 
at the same time, you know, like Russell Brand or Glenn or, or you know, the, the few of y'all who really are paying attention and have a, have multidisciplinary skills. But when you're talking about the the what's driving this stuff that is determining our lives, that's starting wars, that's it's it's backroom deals, and we need we need that for a, a anti you know for a, a, a age of wisdom movement. You know, we to have some people. It's who you know. That's why I mentioned Joe Rogan. We got to get you on there. You know, I mean, in places like you know wherever you end with Russell and that, yeah. which I'm sure you will be. Just that it, it's. We, we can turn the ship around. And so thank you for doing thank that. You, for, for thank you, Lee. For your important role. You're, you're at the foundation of it. We, thank, thank you. Thank you. It's very nice of you. Bye. Appreciate it. Okay. And and Andrew, while you are muting yourself, we're going to wrap up pretty soon. So we'll take as many calls as we can um, with the time we have. Okay. No, Andrew. Joshua, go ahead. This always happens. I get skipped ahead. Um, anyway, so not to virtue signal, but I've done without Amazon, Walmart, and Twitter for years. It's fantastic. Um, but uh, also to quite to quote Mike Pompeo speaking to cadets, we lie, cheat, and steal. That's what we do. Um, so he was speaking to future Raytheon execs like Lloyd Austin, though. So um, I just wanted to to not joke so much. Uh, for a minute here and talk about the Marina party in Mexico um, and how and what they've done in the last six to 23 years and how an actual third party got people to defect because they saw that not representing the people wasn't working and that if they didn't start representing the people that there would be more severe consequences. Whereas in this country, we can't get 50,000 people to any one location. Other countries can get hundreds of thousands or millions. Um, and I am trying not to gaslight, but I'm probably going to come off as gaslighting. The left seems to do a lot of talking, and I'm amongst this left in talking. We don't understand brevity or the soul of wit sometimes, and we do think about Zen and pillows and T-shirts and brands too much. Um, we don't really understand how to get in the streets. And I'm, you know, one of my heroes is Stokely Carmichael or Kwame Terme. Um, and uh, I was thinking about what he was saying on the Berkeley campus about the people that were in the 60s talking about these similar things, but then nothing really happened. Um, and do we have to have millions get to D.C.? I think we do. We did then. Um, I think that that would come from the West Coast all the way through maybe something like East Palestine and over to Cop City in Georgia and then up. But obviously, I'm not a great organizer. Otherwise, this would already be underway. So I just those are the things I kind of think that we need to think about if we want to turn this around, because they're not going to do it for us. And whining, complaining, convention all the time isn't getting us where we need to go fast enough, uh, especially when you think about climate change. Here, here. Thank you, Joshua. Okay. And, um, and, and Lucius will be there. Hey there. I am here. So, um, I always start with that. So, anyway, uh, walking a dog as usual, so if I'm out of breath, that's why. Uh, but I... An earlier caller asked uh, for resources kind of along the lines of the Monday morning uh, wrap-up, and I put excitedly in the text, Case Study QB. Oh, yeah, uh, this, great. He is the maestro. Like, uh, he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, we him all the time. Okay. Yeah, and he does uh, Fox, MSNBC, CNN. Um, so that's good. Um, I also, uh, there's Matt Orfalia, though that's usually not, as current, it'll be like something over the past, like clips from the past month or so. It's not a weekly wrap-up, uh, but he's quite good, and he's sort of of Bernie campaign fame because he uh, was hired and then quickly fired from the Bernie campaign after doing an incredible viral video for Bernie just for free. Um, and lastly, I really 
am loath to say this, but Tucker Carlson, he really does have amazing staff who do these media wrap-ups from the past week. And of course, it's always Democrats suck um, and no Republicans suck. But still, uh, I, I watch him in spite of myself and I just grate my teeth through the dog whistles and I learn stuff on his show. And I think he's got a working formula, if you look at his ratings, um, of being more authentic just on a relativistic scale than anyone else in primetime. So uh, that's all I got. I will let you get to the next caller. Yeah, I share your sentiments about Tucker. He sometimes is really on the money on issues I care about, but then he'll throw in some really bigoted comments. And it, it's, uh, but yet, we, when you just look past his own biases and you focus on what he's often, like, uh, he often makes some really good points that you just can't hear anywhere else. It's, it's a strange dynamic. Yeah, or uh, surveillance state. Sure. Uh, and, and like he, lots he of stuff. Hedge fund managers sometimes. Like, he does stuff sure. that the populist yeah. left and right, you know, it's red meat on both sides. So it'd be, um, it'd he, be knows, great if he knows how to get an audience. That's right. Uh, sorry, you were saying. Okay. No, it's okay. Thanks for the call. All right. No more, Chris. Yeah, just on Tucker. I mean, seeing that clip of him, and good morning to everyone, uh, seeing that clip of him on whatever, I think it was a right-wing podcast that I'd never seen before, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, where he said, pushing the Iraq war, he feels like a, a goddamn buffoon now for that. There's nobody else in in, in mainstream media right now that, that's that introspective about the decisions they've made throughout their career and so for that reason despite all of the things that Aaron and the previous caller just said about Tucker you have to give him at least a little respect and he does have people like Aaron and Jimmy and Glenn on so you know with the, there's good with the bad um Aaron I saw that you're in Utah I hope you're having a lovely time hiking with your brother and father and uh and I know you're coming on to Post the Jimmy Dore show soon. I look forward to 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 seeing you there. Um, Thanks. Um, yeah, I went to uh, Zion National Park and then to Moab for the first time, and uh, I hadn't even heard of, of Moab. It was it's unbelievable. Moab? What is it's it? A, it's, a, it's this town in southeastern Utah, and just the it's got these amazing. I mean, these rock formations like the arches. Oh. It's unbelievable. I, I've, I've been on. I've just been hiking. Uh, over the weekend and it's uh, i'm in absolutely incredible i'm in denver so it's about five six hour drive to moab so i've been to moab yeah, yeah. a dozen times maybe at least in my life what i say to people who haven't heard of it or who haven't been there is it's what you would imagine like going to mars is oh, wow. exactly like it's, exactly it's like leaving yeah. earth and going to another planet it's these it's insane it's just an amazing it? place it's in it? eastern it's right just across the Colorado border, uh, if you know where Grand Junction is on Colorado, on the western slope, it's on, it's it's 45 minutes from Grand Junction. Um, so it's in eastern Utah, central eastern Utah, um, or maybe a little bit southern, like Aaron said. But yeah. Yeah, and we, we, we drove to Grand Junction from Moab, and my brother wanted to take the scenic route. So it, it took us like six hours because he drove through those <laughs> mountains, which were also incredible. <laughs> Uh, and, yeah, uh, it's crazy because it's yeah. rocky, and then if you're up on the rocks there to the west of Moab, looking back east towards Colorado, you can kind of see there's a few mountains before you get to Colorado, but it's almost like you see the snowy mountains right now, and you're like, well, there's yep. where Colorado is, and you drive over. It's a beautiful drive. I'm sure uh, I'm sure you had a great time. But um, yes. um, everybody should go there. Katie, you should make your uh, way there at some point, I agree. too, as well. I agree. I um, endorse that message. Maybe we'll do a live taping from there, from the rock formation. You should. <laughs> do some interviews from there. <laughs> the the uh, warmth and the spirituality of the rock will cajole some amazing answers out of some people. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, I had something else, and I've completely forgot it as we've gotten onto the subject of Moab. The one thing I was going to say, which I say regularly, is I wish we had more Rokanas. Like, it's just so fortunate that he's willing to go see the critic, take the criticism or say what's right sometimes. And, you know, he has problematic views as was shown in, in Aaron and Katie, the interview you guys did a couple weeks ago, 
but like th- just that he's willing to go out and even go on Fox News and and say what no other Democrats willing to say about Diane Feinstein. Like, it, you know, it's refreshing. And I wish he was better on some issues where I think I think he in a in a vacuum agrees with us and in a power system and in, inside Washington, he plays a little bit of the game. But, um, you know, you got to give Roe a little bit of credit because there's nobody else willing to do that that has a D next to their name. So um, I still can't remember what I was going to say, so I'll leave it at that. But thank you for your time today, guys, and have thank a good you, rest of your day. You too. Thank okay. You. Last caller for today will be Rob. Go ahead. Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. All right. Yeah, I'm just calling in because Greg uh, challenged me to call in. He's, he talks a lot of smack in the uh, chat. He's, you know, talking smack about Matt Taibbi because he's on Truth Social now. And I guess I guess that makes him a right winger. And he's he thinks, you know, Taiwan needs all the weapons in the world to defend themselves from China, which they're already a part of. And, and he just so he challenged me to call, and he wasn't calling in at first, but he he realized. I guess he figured out how calling works, and now now he's going to call in. So hopefully he'll stay in the queue, and he'll he'll talk to you guys. And okay, well now we've been challenged. All right, so then we'll take Greg because we don't want to look as if we're ducking your challenge. You, All right, we'll thanks. You up and go ahead. And is this Slava? Is this Slava Raytheon, Greg? I hope so. Anyway, Greg, welcome. Are they both in? No, Greg is in. Hello, Greg. You're on. Greg, are you speaking to us? Okay, well, that's not working. Um, Greg, it looks like you're having some volume problems. So we'll have to defer your call until next time. Uh, unless you can figure out how to speak in the next two seconds. No, right now. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Go yeah. to usefulidiots.substack.com to support us, usefulidiots.locals.com as well. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone.